0: Welcome to the Risk and Repeat Podcast, episode number 91. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here once again with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. Peter, it is Friday, the 19th of January, in the year of our Lord, 2018. Okay. (laughs) And we are, look, uh, I know I said this before, we... There's so much going on with uh, Meltdown Inspector. We we really are going to revisit that topic one of these days um, in the near future, hopefully. With all the stuff that's going on with patches, bad patches, good patches, recalled patch- patches, uh, r- uh, reissued patches. There's just a lot going on, but it's going to take time to sort of sort through all that and figure out what um, what we want to say about it and what needs to be said about it. So in the meantime, we wanted to discuss something else that we've, we've tackled previously. In fact, we just did a podcast um, a little while back, uh, uh, late last year, about responsible encryption. And what does responsible encryption actually mean? Remember that? Yes, I do remember it. That was a great discussion. Frustrating one. Yes, it is very frustrating. So, we're going to revisit part of that topic on the subject of backdoors. Uh huh. And there's been some stuff that has brought that uh, that item back into the headlines. That's right. Back into the public consciousness. Maybe not the public consciousness, but I would say the tech community's consciousness. Yes. Yes, we're singing the backdoor blues again these days, and again it's 2018, and we're still talking about this stuff. It's somewhat remarkable, but anyway, uh, yes, the we're going to start with, I guess the we're going to start with what the FBI, what the FBI is doing, what it has continued doing under the uh, new leadership of. of uh director Chris Ray Peter he made some interesting comments about a week ago at an event and I, it, there were i guess it was probably his most extensive comments yet about the 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 threat of encryption um mm-hmm. and he called it a public safety issue he was very strong uh, in his words on this and it was the he made these um, these comments during a keynote at Fordham University in New York, uh, the FBI's international conference on cybersecurity. So it was obviously, you know, that was a perfect setting for him to make these comments, his most extensive um, comments yet on encryption. But what did you what did you think of what he talked about? I mean, he said, I, you know, he said something like. 7,800 items or uh, uh, devices were locked and and couldn't be accessed by the FBI. And that's just the FBI, it doesn't include local law enforcement, uh, uh, the intelligence community, et cetera, et cetera. And that was about, I think they said about half, that that number represents about half the devices that are in their possession right now uh, to be investigated, to be accessed under court order of of a legal warrant. But in these seven thousand eight hundred or so devices, I can't access them because they're they're locked. They've got file encryption, device, or I should say, um, uh, disk encryption, hard drive encryption.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what did you think? Well, I I mean, my my opinion on the on the matter hasn't really changed since the mid nineties when <laughs> when the FBI started with. The Clipper chip that was the NSA. I mean, we, we same thing. Basically, same thing. Yeah. Um. There's the the thing that that strikes me again mm. about the whole FBI argument about response whether it's responsible encryption or whether you label uh, encrypted un unaccess inaccessible devices as a public safety matter. I mean, that is incredibly extreme, considering. Some other public safety issues that are being completely ignored in our country. Mm. As far as if you paint this as a public safety issue, I mean, a lot of the information that's on phones are is information that previously was undiscoverable unless you had a uh, had known ahead of time that people are going to communicate, right. and you try to find ways to. Um, to uncover that communication but if you and i meet in the middle of uh, a, a crowded train station let's say that's noisy and that's, uh, and we walk randomly through it let, let's just say i mean think of all the spy movies that you've ever watched right um it's really hard to, to capture what we're talking about if we pass notes or if we use a uh, and know, then you eat them or burn them. And then eat them and burn them. Burn or, after reading. Or, or blinking our eyelashes and, <laughs> in, in Morse code. I mean, those these are all things that unless you are alert to ahead of time and are able to put your resources in place to capture them, you can't capture them.
0: Yeah, you can't compel. A, a court order, a warrant is not going to compel someone to give up the information in their head. I mean, I mean, it, I, I suppose it could. Like if you said you're in contempt and you're going to jail, but the same thing could be said of device encryption. Give us your passcode, or you're going to jail indefinitely.
1: Exactly, so. and and the fact that the that, that this information is inaccessible. Well, there was all that information that was inaccessible previously. The thing that that's troubling about uh, cell phones is that you're able to not just previously you could get a warrant to, you know, to surveil a, a suspect and you can put taps on all the phones right. the around that person and you can follow them. You can have, micro, you know, uh, uh, remote microphones. You can put bugs into their apartment. Those are all things that you can do once you have uh, the information or the, the knowledge that this is a person who's a suspect, who's a person of interest, and you're trying to collect data about that person. With unlocking a cell phone, so I should backtrack for a second. So that surveillance is is prospective. You're you're saying I, in the future, I think this person is going to reveal some information right, that we need right, to right. prosecute them. Yeah. So we'd like to get that information. The cell phone, on the other hand, reveals past as well as yeah current. So so if you can unlock the cell phone, you can get access to stuff that happened. I mean, I. I kind of like to keep a lot of information on my s- on my devices because my memory's not that great anymore. I'll stop. Well, it okay. d- there's a lot of Im- th- there's a lot there's of, lot to of information of. to keep up with. Right. right. As, you know, I don't want to rem- I used to have dozens of phone numbers that I could reel off mm. from memory because yeah. that's what we did back yeah. in the old days. Sure. Rotary telephones and nickel for a phone call in <laughs> the, the phone booth and the whole thing. Sure. But but now all that stuff—it's trivia, and I don't really need to remember it. But a lot of things that are on my phone are there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. and if I'm a bad guy, or even if I'm not a bad guy—if I'm—if yeah. I'm a good guy, but I have information that is of interest to uh, to the FBI, they don't—they can if they say we're gonna un- yeah. we're gonna unload your phone of all its data now. Uh, I'm not. With that, I'm not down with that because right. I think there should be a legal process for that. Which, of course, FBI Director Ray, as well as Director Comey, and as well as all right. of the all the other guys that, that w- wanted that, they said, "Well, it's all going to be a legal process. And it's all going to be uh, you know, uh, valid warrants and so on." But the fact remains that it it opens up a, a pool of information that previously was undiscoverable because it was it was transient now well, it's now it's permanent
0: well not only that but just going back to the public safety issue comment i mean i would like to know so i assume and and and, and i don't know if the fbi has commented on this or, or or clarified it but i assume that most of these devices have been obtained after the fact of a crime uh, whereas like like you said if they have a target if they have someone that they know is using a specific device, and they want to tap that device, or they want to get into that device. I mean, there are ways to do it before it becomes locked, or before the the subject is either killed, in the case of the San Bernardino shooters, uh, 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 terrorist uh, shooters, or they become incapacitated or arrested and refuse to to, to unlock it. So. Like I said, I assume that that's... So it, it, to me, the public safety, it, it, if you're if these are just, if these devices are being collected in the course of an investigation after the fact of a, the, the crime is committed, I don't, I, I mean, I kind of, I, I, I mean, I sympathize on one hand with what the FBI is trying to say. They want to find the bad guys. They want to get to the bad guys. But at the same time, it seems like they may be overstating the public safety aspect of it a little bit. I mean, there are there are ways to get and and, and again there are ways to get into the device after the fact. I mean, they, they hired a firm that cracked the on-device encryption or got around it. They didn't crack the encryption. They they came up with some way to read the device even though it was encrypted. The iPhone um, in the case of uh, the San Bernardino terrorists and and. That's important to know because what did they find? They didn't find anything that was relevant to what like, anything that was truly like oh uh, this is this is massive.
1: Look at what we found. Did did we uh, my recollection was that they said that they weren't going to release the information no. but my, I I I I mean I, come I'm on. I'm with you. What, I'm pretty sure. What does sure. that mean? What does that mean? If there was something good important like if there was that, something it, have, they would have said
0: they they would have said so uh, right. at least you know, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I, I guess I maybe did a little bit. Uh, <laughs> speaking of words, I, I do want to read these comments for, um, from, from Chris Ray's speech because this is, this is important. So he said, in addition to this being a public safety issue and talking about the devices, he said, quote, Information security programs need to be thoughtfully designed so they don't undermine the lawful tools we need to keep this country safe. We're not looking for a quote-unquote backdoor, which I understand to mean some type of secret, insecure means of access. What we're asking for is the ability to access the device once we've obtained a warrant from an independent judge who has said we have probable cause. So, Peter, is he right or is he
1: splitting hairs on the backdoor
0: terminology?
1: Well, so the the conversation over encryption has been going like i will we'll, we can estimate we can approximate it at about a quarter about 25 years or so that we've been talking about right. this in all of that time and after all that time for the director of the fbi to say we're not looking for a back door but we want something else and not to be able to say mm-hmm. exactly what it is and how that's going to be made to happen tells me that they don't really not want a backdoor they'd like a backdoor they don't want to call it a backdoor they'd like to be able to access remote controlled anytime anywhere as soon as they get a, a, a warrant i mean this is the beauty to the law enforcement community of having ubiquitous devices that everybody has is that I, potentially you can you can use a telephone to track a person's location, find out who they're talking to, find out what they're saying, find out what's going on around Listen them. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. Even
0: if they're not making a call. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. all these exploits. And the spyware exploit that, that Mike, uh, senior reporter, Michael Heller, Uh, the Android um, uh, spyware that was just revealed. I mean, that that's terrifying. Yes, turn your microphone on and listen to what you're saying. When
1: you reach a certain location, it will turn off the the microphone or the video on so that people so that the the surveillance people who have have control of your phone can find out all of that stuff. Now, now, so on the one hand, all of the information that uh, Director Ray wants is accessible. Yeah. it's just not necessarily accessible to the FBI and not necessarily uh, there's no necessary there's not necessarily any infrastructure for making that available in a, an orderly fashion. If you're a hacker and you've got access to these tools, you can do all of those things. Yeah. If you're a government actor and you have access to those tools, you can do those things as well. Um, which already is scary, but for for the director to say that they just want a safe and and regulated way to access all of that, Is is I don't think that that's exactly means what they say it means because if they get what they want they have uh, in other uh, um, effective panopticon access yeah they can see uh, see here and and view and track everything that you do um, which. If you put it that way well yeah that's a that's a great tool for uh, public safety because it means that we could do uh thought crime and we can do we can prosecute thought crime bureau of pre-crime pre-crime one as well one of my
0: favorite <laughs> movies yes it's, it, it's I know. I, I, you know i'm a big minority report fan yes big tom cruise fan yes i
1: mean everyone knows that that is Maybe true. everyone
0: doesn't know that but well, anyway. they do
1: now they do now um but but yeah, so the, th- the the frightening thing is that giving the FBI access to all of that means putting in an infrastructure that means that the, that allows them to turn on and off data from whatever sources they want. Now, in a perfect world where the FBI is is uncorruptible and perfectly pure, that's great. I'm I'm all with that if you can tell me that the FBI is never going to be motivated by personal gain or by Personal vendettas, or by uh, un-American activities, or any of the, all that stuff. But we can't guarantee it. But but yeah. can't guarantee it. Okay. It's right, so because we see it, we see it all the time. There's there's bad apples everywhere. Right. I I wouldn't even if
0: they were uncorruptible I I, uh, uncorruptible. I I still would have an issue with that because you never know when someone's going to make a mistake. I mean, we've seen issues with this across the board with the federal government and, and stuff just, you know, shadow brokers or what have you, you know, Vault 7, like stuff just falling into the wrong hands, stuff being exposed accidentally. I will say this, and I, I'm not, before we, we turn to the next segment of this uh, 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 podcast on backdoors, I will say this, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go to bat for the FBI a little bit. I, I do think they have a case, I, I think Ray has a case in saying, what we're looking for is not exactly a backdoor. I mean, if they went to Microsoft and Apple and whoever and said, look, we don't want a clipper chip, which I do think is a backdoor, I think we both agree, but we want you to hold a master key to unlock device encryption in your possession. And when we have a court order, you unlock that specific device um, we don't hold the keys. You hold them. But once we get that warrant, you have to unlock it. You have to find a way to unlock it with your master key, your golden key, whatever. I don't think that's the same as a backdoor. Do I think it's a technologically feasible and safe w- w- answer to this? No. But I don't think it's the same as a backdoor. So, it's, it. I mean, it's splitting hairs. I get what they're saying. But at the same time, I don't think we should... We, we don't want to be at the point where we're conflating all of these terms with what the FBI is trying to do. So, um, but Peter seems we do have a real backdoor to talk about on this podcast. So this was, I gotta say, I wrote a blog post about this. Uh, we talked about the, uh, talked about it this week over our Slack channel. You edited my post. It was a good one. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, this has got to be one of the oddest security advisories I've ever seen. So for those that don't know, Lenovo uh, late last week, or I guess if this is running on the week of the 22nd, then it would have been um, about two weeks ago. Uh, Lenovo published a security advisory, and I want to make sure I get the title of this right. This this was this was awesome. Uh, they, they published a security advisory, L-E-N one six zero nine five. For those keeping score at home, uh, it's titled Enterprise Networking Operating System uh, (in parentheses, EnOS) Authentic- authentication bypass in Lenovo and IBM rack switch and blade center products. Now, you first see this and you're like, "Oh, this is this is important. Authentication bypasses are important." And you start reading it, and this—I mean, this is this is amazing. So basically. Lenovo found a, 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 an authentication bypass that is literally called HP Backdoor. There is a command line interface for this particular bypass that is called HP Backdoor. It is in Lenovo switches. It is in the software, the firmware, the Enos firmware that runs a lot of these switches that they acquired from IBM uh about four years ago when they bought the ibm x86 server business um it's it's incredible it's you read through this advisory and it says and i'll 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 quote it uh quote an authentication bypass, bypass mechanism known as quote unquote hp backdoor was discovered during a lenovo security audit in the telnet and serial console management interfaces as well as the SSH and web management interfaces under certain limited and unlikely conditions. And Peter, now you read what I wrote about this. There's a long history to, to Enos and who owned it and when this whole thing started. Turns out, Lenovo investigated this, They Enos, this thing was installed in Enos back in 2004 mm-hmm. and they did an audit a security, you know, a, a, a source code review audit, and they said in this, again, in this advisory, which is doesn't really read like an advisory, uh, a source code revision history audit revealed that this authentication bypass mechanism was added in 2004 when Enos was owned by Nortel's Blade Server Switch Business Unit (BSSBU). Uh, the mechanism, this is a, this is my favorite part. The mechanism was authorized by Nortel. And added at the request of a BSSBU OEM customer. Wow. So, customer, if I'm reading this right, a customer back in 2004 was like, "Hey, we'd like to have a backdoor." For what purpose? It's not made clear.
1: This is insane to me. Do we have any idea which who who the customer is, or who the OEMs I, could be?
0: I asked. I I went to Lenovo and I said. Look, I have some questions about this advisory. <laughs> this is a little strange to me. Uh, so so yes, so Lenovo is not commenting. I don't know why they published the name of the actual command line interface that says HP, the name of their biggest co- uh, 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 competitor. I don't know why they would put that in the security advisory if they didn't want people asking questions about it, but they did. So I said, hey, is HP, is this a reference to Hewlett Packard? And they said, you yeah. know, this is just what it's titled, We're, you know, hence the name, hence us including it in the in the advisory.
1: But they didn't confirm that it was, they did confirm it was Hewlett Packard? No, they, didn't, they, they, they did they, not. No, they would not confirm it. Oh. Well, maybe but it, maybe it turns maybe out else.
0: that, that I, I did some digging, and it turns out that HP was, in fact, a Nortel customer at the time. I don't know if they, if they were switch. I, I have no idea. And again, I have no idea, number one, why Nortel or I take it back. I have no idea why an OEM customer of any kind would go and say, oh, we want a backdoor into our networking switches that we just bought. For. W- what purpose would that? I mean, they're yours like what do you need? what what do you need that for? Furthermore, I have no idea what Nortel was thinking and unfortunately we can't ask them because they're dead. That was
1: my next question. Let's call Nortel. Let's call, Nortel.
0: Let's <laughs> call the bankruptcy court. Um, who's your uh, next of kin, Nortel. Uh, who do we call? But they I have no idea why Nortel or any other company would sit there and say, oh, uh, HP or any OEM customer. Oh, you want a back door? oh, okay, we'll write that into the source code that everyone uses. Like, that's amazing to me. I, cu- I could not, bu- I mean, I, I could believe it because I know things like this have happened before, but it's still remarkable. Like, I could. I, it just, one customer just goes up to you and says, oh, we'd like you to write a backdoor into the OS code. Uh, is that okay? Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Sure. What should we call it? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, uh, backdoor. Call it backdoor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and put
1: our name in there too. HP Backdoor.
0: I mean, I, I of course I, we I, don't know. I, we don't know that.
1: that. <laughs> yeah. It, All could right, have, fine. it could have been. Put our biggest competitor's name in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let, let's implicate someone else, or maybe HP stands for something else entirely. Happy
1: um, people. High performance backdoor. Oh yeah, high performance. Right. That's better. That's much better than mine. Um, uh, oh, my God. Uh, uh, the fact that it
0: was named this, too, like like you could just do a code review and and there's backdoor in big block letters, like staring you right in the face.
1: <laughs> right. It's a command line. Command. A com- <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm reading through this and I, it's just it's. It was incredible to me on so many levels, not just for what Nortel did or what the customer did, but then I'm I'm thinking, you know, well, IBM owned this business, so IBM bought this back in 2010 amid all the Nortel fallout. So they picked it up, they owned it for four years. Then they then it became part of Lenovo's family when Lenovo bought IBM server business, and then, and then Lenovo's had them for almost four years. So in that you know, approximately eight year span, neither company found this? And so I asked, I, I said, Lenovo, uh, was the source code review that Lenovo performed to find this backdoor, was this the first review that the company had performed on Enos you know, since it acquired I, the, the x86 server business in 2014? And they just said, you know, the HP backdoor was found, and I'm quoting here, the HP backdoor was found through new techniques added to our reoccurring internal product security assessments. And this is the first time that these techniques were applied to Enos. Now, I don't know if that means that, yes, we did do a code review before, but we didn't do it exactly, you know, it, now we have these new techniques. I would assume if you did do it before, you would have said, yes, we did do a code review. We've done several, but we have these new techniques and that's how we found it. Sounds to me am I being uncharitable? It sounds to me like they this is the first time they really did like a full code review. So I You're don't, always get, you're always willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. I want to hear your answer.
1: Okay, so here here's my here's my response. Cause if you if you consider that uh that a modern end-user operating system has, I don't know, billions of lines of code in it. Yes. And if you consider that, well, this wasn't necessarily an end-user operating system, but it's certainly an operating system that um, was one of many and and different versions of it. Um, Admittedly, the version from 2004... Did not that the, the the back door didn't change over the last right. fifteen years, right. fourteen years, pr- according to the to the stories that we're hearing. Yep. So um, so yeah, there's the thing is that there's a lot when you buy a a, a suite of products from another company. There's a, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. Oh, so they, they bought a
0: Lenovo bought a huge huge business.
1: Yeah, it's enormous. Yeah. So the the, uh, the the picture in my mind came up of if they bought all of the assets of a company, and they got they bought five pallets of printer paper that were in the warehouse. When they buy the printer when they bought that printer paper and when the, and when they logged it into their inventory system, it's yep. five pallets of of perfectly pristine printer paper. They didn't go in and open up the pallets, open up the individual cartons, the cases and cartons and and contain and packages of paper, and look at every single package and count all of the count them up to make sure they all had 500 pages in them and that all of the pages in them were clean. So that's the the mental image I had of trying to to um, sort of audit every single line of code in every product and every version of that right. product. Right. Sure. Um, so, and OSs
0: are big. We we should. Yeah, I mean, there's that, a lot of lines of code. You know? yeah. I don't know what the exact number is for Enos, but
1: I mean, they could have. It could have been that they got a cop. That they, they brought uh, a company like, say, Black Duck Software in that, that does a lot of uh, code um, analysis of open source code to, right. to see but, where you. But, the but thing what does that, it say about those processes, though,
0: Peter? If you if you can't find a like, like an authentication bypass mechanism that is literally called backdoor. <laughs> like, like what does it say about our code reviews or our, our assessments, our vetting, our, you know, our due diligence when we have mergers and acquisitions that this wasn't found until now? I mean, that's depressing. And not only that, but like, I should know. That according to the advisory, this is very hard. like the the. the the requirements to execute this backdoor, they're they're pretty narrow, okay. Uh, though Lenovo said that this was caught during sort of a a routine security review, okay. Um, but 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 it's very narrow and limited sort of parameters for this to be used. Still, it says backdoor. Like like like. Are you like are are we not? Are we kind of? thinking that, like, no one would be that stupid? Like, oh, we don't need to search for backdoor in our code because no one would call it that? Like, I'm, I'm just, like it was so dumb that they were just like, no one's going to do that. We're not even going to look for it. I, I have no idea. I would love to know the answer to that. If there's anyone listening out there that does code review and analysis, please let me know. Um, I just find it remarkable.
1: Just, just to link it back to our discussion about the FBI – and their 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 search for a not a backdoor, um, and framing it as a public safety issue. I think that code review, that this kind of code review that, that Lenovo um, produced is, is more. You know, the, the results of it are more of a public safety issue. That we've got code, we've got mountains, massive piles of code all around us yep. that that con, that controls and keeps our, hopefully keeps us safe insecure in our homes and our cars everywhere and to say to realize that there's so much of that code that does not get really scrutinized to make sure that it's going to be safe and and can't be used against us uh, or can't cause our devices to be used against us well that's more to me of a public safety issue than whether or not the fbi can get into phones that are inaccessible because they're encrypted um so that's that's my two cents
0: yeah no and i would have to agree with you there i mean i think the thing that really gets me about this is that i i I am you know i'm concerned about about the government trying to undermine encryption i i am not a believer in the whole going dark thing i i'm i'm a critic of the way the fbi's been handling this but at the same time like we're we're doing all of this hand-wringing and 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 putting all this attention on the government's effort to put back doors in when there are there are already back doors that the industry itself has drilled into these products and we haven't kept track of them. We're not good at finding them, apparently. We're, apparently, we're really bad at finding them when someone's walking around with a sign on their forehead that says back door and it's in your code and you can't find it for 14 years. I mean, that's, that's a pretty that's, that's an indictment, and I just think that, you know, you, you, can, you can be against government encryption government, or government-mandated encryption backdoors or, or efforts to undermine that encryption, but we also got to take a hard look at how we're cleaning up our own messes here. This is bad. If a customer can just go, like a big OEM customer with a lot of money can just go in and say, I want you to drill a hole into your source code so that we can access it, but only us, because that that's all that will ever happen, you know, Nortel, because we're the only ones that are, that are gonna have access. You're only gonna call it backdoor. I mean, who's gonna find it? Like, that's incredible to me. And I know this was back in 2004 and the world has changed a lot, but man, we, we better start taking a hard look at things. So, all right, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> I know you're thankful, Peter. Um, Peter, thank you for joining me in this discussion. It it was a discussion, right? It was. And And I am always glad to be here. Thank you, Peter. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.